This is the Sunday that many churches across the world celebrate Pentecost. Uh, I have found through the years that, that even what's called the high churches, those that are, are very rigid in their, in their liturgy and in, in the way they do services, the way they do things, even they celebrate Pentecost because there's something happened at Pentecost, on that, on that Acts chapter 2 time after those, those people had been in the upper room for, for 10 days and had been waiting for almost 50 days and, and the wind of God began to blow. Heaven's own noise began to echo on earth. People began to talk different, look different, act different. And very quickly after that, we realize if you study church history that these people left that upper room understanding that there was something new in the earth. And the most extreme of us believe that it's a whole different brand of people walking the earth because we really believe in the born-again experience. We really believe that it's more than just saying a prayer and I'll go to heaven someday. We believe that the Holy Spirit does surround us and empower us and indwell us and eventually help us to walk in the understanding of who He is. Uh, I admit that although that's a growing number, it's, it's a percentage of, of around 40% of the world Christians that believe that, but these are significantly power, powerful people that do believe it. So uh, this is a special Sunday, and I'm not going to make it any more special than acknowledging it, because as Pentecostal and charismatic believers, we believe that every day is special. And every day is a celebration of walking in the Spirit. Every day I wake up into the Spirit of God. Every night I go to sleep in the Spirit of God. Every day of my life I don't need a special celebration. However, I want to take a moment just to acknowledge it because the Anglican Church is celebrating Pentecost today. The, the Catholic Church in some parts is celebrating Pentecost today. The, the Lutheran Church, the, the Church of Christ... In their way, they're celebrating the fact that the Holy Spirit took a hand in the lives of men and enabled us to, un to understand what it is to be saved, to be born again, and not, not to be always seeking and hoping. So it's a wonderful thing. I've been asking God I, to help me keep it simple. Those of you that know me well know I have, a tro have trouble with that. But... I've been asking him to help me with this, and I believe that he has and is. And I'm so grateful to those that have helped me in, in filling the pulpit and talking about this because it helps us to keep it simple. Not that they are more simple than me, but they're smarter than me because they know how to take the complex and make it simple. And I need people that's smarter than me filling this pulpit often. So, and I don't say that in any, any kind of a humorous sense. I mean it. That... There's, a, there's something that just happens when, when you've given your life to study that, that, that without intending to, often you complicate things. And I just have been asking God, particularly in these messages, to help me not to complicate it. I'm talking about life in the breath of God or life in the wind of God, uh, trying to just give you another, another view 
of the Holy Spirit and life in the Spirit. A lot of times when we say Holy Spirit or Spirit, people begin to reach to all of the doctrinal developments that they've heard in the past. And, and it begins to be very difficult to put a definition around it. And I've come to the conclusion that you really can't define it. You've got to live it. And I ran across an illustration. We spent some time with my sister this past week. And... Uh, she was showing me an illustration in a book that I really liked. And I'm, I'd like to do it word for word, but since she has the book and I don't, I'm just going to try to work with it like this. But a man had an airplane ride with a uh, rabbi from the, from the Jewish tradition. And this is recent. And well, I guess it would be if he had an airplane ride. But... <laughs> uh, the man saw that, saw that the, the other guy was reading the Bible and this, this rabbi began the conversations by saying, oh, you like to read Jewish writers. And the guy thought a minute and he said, yeah, I guess I do. And he said, oh, I've just been pondering the idea of God as Father. And it turned out the man was a, uh, a Jesus believer, but still carried out the traditional Jewish customs as much as he could. But he began to talk about the concept of God as Father. And he said, perhaps the best way I could illustrate it would be like this. He said, think of a building as tall or taller than the highest skyscraper, and the CEO of that building lived in the top floor. And he had so much to oversee that he very rarely, if ever, visited those lower floors. But he had people in place that he had entrusted to do everything that needed to be done. But moving about among that floor was this man's daughter. And this man's daughter, as became apparent to the people, had no real concept of what it was that the, that the company was all about or that her father was all about. And she would often do things like as she approached the, the skyscraper, the, the guard that was in front of the door making sure that things were secure, she would say to him, go down the street and get coffee and a bagel for me. And now the guard's in a quandary. This is the CEO's daughter. And his orders are to guard that front door. But now from a very high position, he has orders to leave his post and go down the road and, and, and leave the thing unguarded because this person who was a daughter in the house fought, felt like that was important. As she goes on up toward her office, she meets a woman that has a whole bunch of papers that she's going somewhere to put them in a form that, that can be held together because there's a very important board meeting later, later and she needs to get the spiral in all of these so people can quickly riffle through it. She's just got a little while to do it. She sees this woman and says, what are you doing carrying papers around? Go back in my office. Now the woman who has a designated job is in a quandary. Because somebody with authority, it seems, is telling her that what she's done is not important, that 
Vacuuming the office is more important. Now look at what happens. It doesn't just reflect on the daughter, but the man down below thinks the CEO doesn't value the security of this building if he lets his daughter give orders like that. The woman with the papers think, well, to the CEO, this meeting must not be as important as we all thought it was because his daughter is telling us to forget those orders and go do something that doesn't matter. Now how would that change if this same daughter, as she approached the building, would walk up to that CEO and say, or walk up to that guard and say, my, you're doing a good job. You don't know how secure it makes our company feel to have you here. We thank you so much for what you're doing. How would it change if she had seen the woman with the papers and said something like, I see you're busy this morning. What are you up to? Oh, make sure you get those ready because that meeting is important. You see, it wouldn't have just been that she would have seemed like she knew what she's doing, but it would make the CEO seem like that his kids knew something about it. And this Jewish rabbi says, that's what the picture of father is in the Bible that he empowers us to represent him on earth. And how we live every day matters. The, the things we say in our day-to-day -day activity, the things we say as we go about life, they really matter. Right. And it matters because it's not just a reflection on whether or not you know Jesus, but it's a reflection on the Father. Like, think about your own life now. And let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Because he wants to talk to you about kingdom things. He wants to get you to a place where he can unveil to you the truth that it takes for God's people to walk in so that they can begin to form the earth after the kingdom that's already established, a kingdom without end, a kingdom that isn't... We're not establishing the kingdom, folks. It's been established forever. But we are beginning to bring that kingdom into our existence. Now, how has your week done that? Because in the end, that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. I, I read something this week that caused me, as often happens, caused me to, to set my jaw and grit my teeth a little bit because there was a, a prophetic guy writing in a national religious magazine and he had a right concept. And that is that God's wanting to do something amazing to bring the world to him. And then he began to go back many years to identify how to move forward. And he began to talk about 24-hour prayer meeting. He began to talk about, you've got to learn to prophesy. He began to talk about, everybody's going to have to be on the corner preaching the gospel. And he began to set it up where if you read that and believed it, you'd start to feel so condemned because most of us don't have time in our life for that, and that's the truth. And if we did do that, we would probably starve to death down the road. But the truth is, that's not what God's about. Yes, there is something coming, but it's coming to people who understand what it is to walk every day in the Holy Ghost. To realize that, like, like some of the old Jewish scholars teach regularly, is that in the, the Bible talks about the first day, that it was evening to morning the first day. Not morning to evening, evening to to morning the first day. And that in the writing, in the inspiration, God was signifying, now, this is my time. 
From evening to morning, it's time that you're to be resting. It's time that you're to be relaxing and, and, and letting me do it. And when you wake up in the morning, you wake up into your time. And I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll help you to understand what it is, not just to fix your life, but to fix the world as we all work together. And think what that can mean. That if I really realize that every breath I take, I take in Him. Every step I take, I take in Him. That He's with me. He, I represent Him. And every conversation I have is about Him. And that, that what I say will reflect on Him. Let it, let it sink in just a moment. And ask yourself, now how does that reflect my life? How does my life reflect that? Because that's really what the coming of the Spirit was about. I'm telling you, it's more than just speaking in an unknown tongue. It's more than just, just constantly having a power explosion in a church. Look around you this morning. We've got at least half the congregation missing. Now next Sunday, I'm going to hammer them. Do you believe that? No, no because we don't do that. They go visit grandma. They go to weddings. They, they go have vacations. They go do what they need to do. Some of them probably visiting the sick. Some of them are sick. And that's all okay. Because that's part of living life in the Spirit. It's spiritual when you go visit your family. And you're sitting there, you're just about half cocked all the time. I don't know, though, some of you might not like guns, but they've got some guns that always on the half cock. It just takes a little bit to get that thing to go off. And we should live like that as Christians. That, yeah, I'm walking in among those that are unsaved. I'm walking in among those that don't know him. But I'm on the half cock. And just as soon, just as soon as there's an opportunity, you're going to hear, bam, and something's going to happen. Amen. So if you learn to live like that, that's what it looks like to have life in the breath of God, life in the wind of God. That when he came and, and represented himself back in Acts chapter 2, and we began to see that promise of the Spirit coming, there's no record of him ever going back. No record of him ever stopping. But he, that wind continues to blow. That, that water continues to run. That, that noise from heaven continues to happen. It's just a matter of you beginning to engage. God help us to quit coming and looking for a blessing on Sunday morning. And then going out through the week and just come barely dragging in next Sunday. Oh, pastor, my week's been so tough. Come on. We don't know what tough is in this nation for the most part. But the thing is, if we walk with God, we'll make this a place of celebration, not a hospital for Christians. It'll be a place where we come in and say, man, you know what God done through me? Yeah, I'm going through some stuff, but man, God used me to touch this life. God used me to, to minister to somebody. God did this. God did that. And we'll begin to celebrate in this house what God is doing, not up here, but out there. Uh, Luke chapter 24 Verse 49, I think I've got that right. I didn't have earlier, but I think I do now. Jesus talking to his disciples saying, Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Now, I want to remind you of a few things that we've already talked about uh, as, we, as we move on through here. I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. 
And as I began to break this down again and look at it, I began to be so aware of the presence of God, and I pray that happens for you this morning as, as we work with it. But the language, all of the language in this verse is present progressive. Now what that means is it's happening now, but you can expect it to continue to happen. It's happening now, but you can expect it to continue to happen. And just think of it like the wind blowing in a continual breeze. Living in North Dakota, uh, just amazing up there because we felt like it was just little light breezes when the wind blew about 15 miles an hour, which it does every day. And that's a light breeze. That's just, you know, well, there's nothing between the Rocky Mountains and North Dakota to slow that stuff down. It, it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. The continual breeze. And it's like water running a steady current. I was reminded of this as I crossed the Missouri River a couple of times this past week and looked at it and realized, man, that's just like the Holy Ghost. It's running and running and running. It's fresh air to breathe, fresh water to drink. I can breathe. I can walk out into the breeze and breathe in and breathe out. The next time I breathe in, I'll never breathe that same air. Why? Because the breeze is carrying it right on away. I can go to running water and lean over and drink my fill, stand up, get back down and drink, and it'll not be the same water. Folks, we've got to realize that we've been trying to live out of a stagnant pool of the Holy Spirit, and He's never stagnant. The air in the house of God is never still. The, the water in the river of God is never still, but it's always fresh. It's always moving. It's never what it was yesterday. It's always what it is right now. And no matter how quickly I breathe in and breathe out the Spirit, that next breath is something different, something fresh, something more powerful, a building thing that I need to continue on. Right. And what a challenge it is to move into, into that kind of thing. But... This says, I'm sending that up on you. And I, everywhere I looked in, in people talking about this particular phrase, upon you, it simply means God saying, that's present and available. It's not like, it's not like a parrot sitting on your shoulder. But it's present and available because of this new covenant grace. You don't ever have to worry about whether you have access. You never have to worry about availability. The presence, the breath of God, the wind of God is there for you. Now, it's not about your feeling. Sometimes you'll feel like, I just don't feel anything. But you know, the best conductors of electricity are those that allow it to go through without resistance. The more you learn to follow God and the more you learn to let the Holy Spirit flow through you, the less you will feel it. Because the flow of the Holy Spirit becomes your spiritual atmosphere. It becomes what you live in. See, a lot of people panic because they don't feel what they felt when they were first baptized in the Spirit. It was never intended for you to live there. Is intended for you to adjust with that and to go with the flow. And to understand that, yes, I can feel something, but I'm still going to move on and let that flow through me. And there will come a time, and it, it's about faith, but there will come a time when I don't feel it, I just got to take a chance on it being there. And I've found that most people get hammered harder when I pray for them when I don't feel it than they do when I do. 
So don't, don't pray for somebody and go away saying, Oh God, I didn't feel anything. Didn't something happen? Begin to live like this. Every time I pray, something happens. And it's not up to me what that is. It's up to him. Amen. And once I begin to understand that, then it makes me kind of wanting to pray for people all the time. You, you look at people different. You're like, God, are we going to do something with this one? God, is there anything you want to say here? And too often we conjure something up and say it. If he wants to say it, you'll know it. Otherwise, let it go. God, can I pray for him? You know, he'll almost say, yeah, pray for him. But the thing is, know that just you being there changes the whole spiritual atmosphere because he surrounds you. He lives in you. He flows from you. Now what's he going to do? Not what am I going to do. Not, not how can I get some credit here, God. But God, I'm here and you're here. What might we do together? You know, there's adequate proof throughout the Bible that, that God is a God of covenant. And I was thinking as I was preparing this that I wish I had a couple hours or three hours to, to really give a treatment of covenant. We've done that here, but it's been a while. So let me say this. If you don't understand walking in covenant and you want to understand it, get in touch with Leslie. She can put you in touch with about four to six hours of teaching online where I teach and give a pretty full treatment of covenant. And it's, it's something. Because you begin to realize that not only do I commit to God, but He commits to me. This thing, these signs shall follow, that's a covenant statement. It's not saying that these signs are back here. What it's really saying is right alongside you in a covenantal promise is the signs. That you have the power of God and those signs are right here. They're ready. Like Jesus said, like, like they said about Jesus, that, that it's like the tool belt, that, that, that it's right there and available. It's, it's there and it's, it just reach and get what you need and work with it. That's covenant. God commits to us just like we commit to him. And it's really amazing when you know it in its completeness. But the thing is, is covenant itself demands that the two people of covenant, it, it's got a lot of demands. Like, the, like I was just speaking of God the Father, His commitment. But the person that makes covenant also has a commitment. And that commitment, just to bring it all together, that commitment basically says... To God now, God, if I'm less faithful in this covenant than you, then you can kill me. Now, how many wants to get into a covenant like that with God? I don't. Abraham didn't either. But when Abraham prepared the sacrifice, it says the Lord walked through the pieces. That Jesus Christ himself walked through those pieces and said to the Father, I'll make covenant. I'll do this, knowing that you and I would not be able to live up to covenant and he'd have to die because of it, yet he did it. And the covenant was established by him. And now I benefit by descendancy. And here's the wonderful thing of being a descendant of the covenant, is that now I'm allowed to learn. I can make mistakes. I'm not expected to be as faithful as Jesus Christ, but I'm expected to be moving toward that. And I have the covenant representative, which is the Holy Spirit, that comes alongside and says, Now, come on. 
You need to get this out of your life so we can move ahead. I'm not, I'm not kicking you out of covenant because of this, but quit complaining because until you get this out of your life, we can't move ahead. Now let me help you get it out, and then we'll move ahead. See, that's, that's the simple work of the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, oh, Mary, you made a mistake. You're out. He's saying, come on, Mary. If you'll get this out of your life, you and I can go ahead. Now I'm going to stay with you. But you need to help, let me help you deal with this so that we can move ahead into what Father has before you because ultimately God wants you to represent Him out there. All right. Well, you'll be blessed by this. I jumped ahead about a half page in notes all there in one little round. But understand that when covenant is established, it's always the greater house that is the one that is over the lesser house. So that means it's a natural covenantal thing for God to begin to take care of you and to show you his ways and to lead you into it because certainly he's the greater house. And he wants to take your household and show you what has made him so powerful, what has made his life so good, and then to help you walk in it. And he wants you to, he wants you to begin to do that. And, and so it's a covenant thing when Jesus said, now the promise of the Father is going to come on you. And all you've got to do is just be obedient. Just, just go and wait. Don't go try to fulfill your ministry until this, until this happens with you, until, until, until you receive the Holy Spirit. Now understand, he didn't say until the Holy Spirit is pushed on you. He's saying until you receive, until you reach in and take what's available to you, don't go trying to do it. Now, I said this last Sunday, I think, but I want to say it again. And, and because it sounds so much like heresy, I want to repeat it. But we tell people, all you need is a walk with Jesus. No, it's not. The disciples walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They had him breathe on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. But those same guys, he said, now you go and you wait. Because there's something else going to take place. You're going to have to receive. You're going to have to reach and take it. Not many days from now, it'll be available to you. You're going to reach and take it, and it's going to change everything. Folks, we need to quit telling people that they just need to walk with Jesus. They need to obey Jesus and to realize that the power of the Spirit is available to them. And if they will reach and pull it to themselves, that He won't just be around them. He won't just touch them. He won't just live in them. He'll overflow them. And it'll change the way they walk the earth. It'll be a different breed of people walking the earth. You're different from those who are not yet saved. If you're not Maybe you ought to get saved. Just thinking, I mean, it seems logical to me. But I think a lot of people have thought that salvation is a prayer. And, you know, praying has something to do with it. But salvation is an understanding that God wants to come into me and renew my spirit and renew my heart and cause me to live differently in the earth. And knowing how hard that is for me as a set of rules, he says, I'm not asking it that way now. I'm sending my covenant representative to you. His, his Holy Spirit, he's going to come and he's going to indwell you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to talk with you. He's going to take all things that belong to Christ and reveal it to you. He's going give you direct access to the Father. He's going to cause you to walk with boldness and power. I'm going to give you that because I know you can't do it on your own. 
But my goodness, that red-blooded American attitude said, I got this, God, now I'm going to do it. Well, I've tried that. <laughs> Don't work very well. God doesn't commit himself to me and my power. He commits himself to the power that he has given me to do what he has asked me to do. <coughs> John 16, verses 23 and 24 in that day you'll ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you'll ask the Father for anything, he'll give it to you in my name. Until, until now you've asked nothing in my name, and you, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be made full. <clears throat> I understand it. This is not about... Boy, I hate, I'm going to make this statement, and maybe someday we'll give it a further treatment. It's not about this, this crying out, oh, Jesus, all the time. It's about understanding that Jesus cleared the way to the Father. And the Father himself loves you. And he welcomes you into his presence. And it's about walking, not just saying the name of Jesus, but about walking in the character of Jesus and understanding that the power of Jesus is made available to you. Understanding that, that there's sometimes like we need to do like we did this morning to recognize what's been given and to speak to that thing and say, you've continued long enough. You're stopping me from doing what God has for me to do in my life. And I'm commanding you to loose your hold. I'm going to start to walk in the power and the authority that's been given me and you should understand who I am in Jesus. That's not a prideful statement, but in Christ, I have direct access to everything God has available. Man, we have trouble with that, don't we? Well, I understand Mike has, um, understand Mike has that access, but you don't know what, what, what's in my life. That thing that's keeping you from moving ahead is something the Holy Spirit is not saying, I'm judging you as unfit. He's saying, come on, let me help you get that thing out of your life and let's move on. He's saying we can do this. We can establish in this world system. We can see the kingdom established. It's an everlasting kingdom. It's always been established. But he, let's bring it back into this world system. Man sold it and gave it away. Jesus purchased it and says now you go enforce that purchase. You go live in it. Wow. No pressure there, right? But understand that as you move into the covenant, everything about you changes. And the only one that don't recognize it is you. The enemy's desperate that you never discover what it is to live in the name. Never discover what it is to live in the character, in the power and authority of God. But the problem is, is we, we've backed away from that character issue. We thought, well, you know, Jesus loves me. And he'll overlook me having this problem in my life. And to some extent that's true. Just like when you, when you have a child, you'll understand for a while that child's not walking. But after a while, you're going to be grabbing his hand and pulling him up on his feet and walking him along because you know that he was designed to walk. And you've got to understand that Jesus will overlook some things for a while. And he probably addressed your life and, and you probably spend eternity with him. But what are you going to do in this earth if you at some point you say, God, this thing 
is more important to me than walking with you. So I'm going to live in it. And God, I hope that's okay with you. And you know what? We have people in our families that live like that, and they're still family, but they don't make their mark in the world. They don't do what's necessary to be a productive part of the system of the culture. And God wants you to find out what that's like to be an overcomer. You see, you have new family origins. God wants to help you realize that. He, instead of giving the excuse of, well, my family's always been this way. My, my, my family's just, just like this. Well, you're part of another family now. Paul said you are of the family and the household of who? Of God. So all of that stuff back there in your genetics makes no difference. What makes a difference is what you're going to live today and tomorrow and the next day. You know, I spent some time this past week with my cousin. And he and I got in a lot of trouble in our younger years. Uh, neither one of us is very proud of it. We, he said something to me that nobody's ever said before, but I knew he was right. He, he said himself and me and two of the other guys, he said, it was largely us that led these other guys off into what they lived in for so long. And I said, yeah. I knew it was true, but I've never had anybody say that to me so directly. And he teared up and he said, but I'm doing everything I can to lead them out of it. He said, I'm in contact with these guys all the time. And so far, all those guys are saved now. But it's just a matter of leading them in ways of righteousness for his name's sake, for his character's sake, for, for that. And, you know, understand that we had, you remember that Hank Williams Jr. song, I believe it was, just carrying on an old family tradition. That's kind of the way we lived. Just carrying on an old family tradition. But now, the family tradition is different. And we're still carrying on an old family tradition. <laughs> you know, w when I try to release the power of God on you, I'm just carrying on an old family tradition. When I let God deal with things in my life and put me through the misery of showing me how lost I can be without Him, and I respond to that, I'm just carrying on an old family tradition. I think maybe that song ought to be changed, don't you? But Paul said, I'm bearing about in my body the marks of the kingdom of God of the bondservant. And I understand being a bondservant in the house of God. It's my choice that I'm a servant of God. I don't serve him because he's a slave master. I am so enthralled with what's available in the kingdom of God that I serve him by choice. Yeah, I could have gone out free and done nothing except sit in a pew and, and eventually died and probably gone to heaven, I would think, but maybe not. But I... There's something about it that made me say, okay, God, I realize I'm a son, but I want to have the marks of a servant on me. I want to serve your house. I want to serve your people. I want to some way be, be available to you. God, I don't want to just sit and do nothing. God, I want to do something. And I want to live my life that way. I want to die doing something. I want my death to mean something. I want my life to mean something. 
And folks, that's the cry of every human being's heart, whether they like it or not, that is the cry of their heart. Even when we were living wild and rough, we wanted to leave that mark in the world. But now I've got another mark I want to leave, and it's the mark of the kingdom. What it is to be led by the Spirit of God. What it is to let God replace 75% of my vocabulary. What it is to, to cause me to quit the stuff that was destroying me. That, the stuff that made me cry out to God saying, God, I can't quit this stuff. I need you to help me. And he got me there. <clears throat> if you live like that, you'll bear in your body a greater sense of him being on you every day. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Just this week I heard some people talking over away from me a little bit, but they were talking about what they thought were the signs of the time and that the end of the world is imminent. I mean, it's right here. Maybe so, but that's not for me to know. That's not for me to wrestle with. What is for me to know? And that is to hear God for the next step, to hear God about the next move in my life and the next move in sometimes helping other people to their next move. I don't care. You say, well, what if the trumpet blows tomorrow? It's all good. I had a man asked Dave Wilkerson one time, he said, if you knew that there was an atomic bomb going to go off in the United States tomorrow, what would you do? And he said, I would just drive toward the center of the city they were going to hit and praising God all the way because it would be, his words, boom, glory. Folks, that's what it is to live for God is I don't care what happens tomorrow, but if I live tomorrow, I'm going to walk with God. And I, I'm not making demands of God of what He should and shouldn't do, but I know He's going to do something through me and I'm going to be on the cutting edge of that because I'm going to learn every day to hear Him better, to respond to Him quicker, and to let Him move with me. You say, well, you know, that kind of life makes the devil mad. I hope so. Because he don't have the power of death. He can do whatever he wants to do. No big deal. He can sit in the rocking chair in the middle of my living room and rock if he wants to. But he won't stay there long because there's a Spirit of God in my house and he won't be comfortable with that. But if he won't stay there, it's all right. He'll have to watch me every day follow God. There again, he won't stay long. You shall receive power. And I want you to work with me in your thinking now. And yes, I'm going to be wrapping up soon, I hope. Previous to receiving power was, has come upon you. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I think some people get that wrong. They, they think, well, uh, I, I'm going to receive power. I don't have any sense of, of a changed life. I, maybe when, I, when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and I begin to speak in other tongues, maybe I'll receive the power. No, you need to become aware of His presence. You need to become aware of the fact that He is already changing you and that He's bringing you in to what He prepared for you. Now, the awareness of His presence feels good. you got a deep sense of the power of God. When, when you become aware of His presence, now I'm just talking about coming up on you now. That you're, you're, you're aware that 
many people, I hear them talk about, man, the presence in that service was something. And then people will say things like, you know, I just knew that somebody was going to get healed. They were, they're aware that, that the ability of God is there. He's around them. He's in the atmosphere. And what you need to understand is your awareness of that presence enables you to go where God wants you to go. Now, he comes and blesses you, but that's not the only reason he comes. When he shows up, now, uh, that's terrible, terrible theology. But he begins to manifest, let's put it that way, because he showed up and I don't find any record of him ever leaving. When he begins to manifest, a lot of people are just waiting then for him to do something. But what he's doing is wanting you to hear how to respond and what to do because he's going to work through you and the, the powers of the spirit world are going to say, man, I'm worried about that person because if they discover what just happened, they're going to be a problem to the powers of darkness because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're going to wonder at the things that God enables you to do. You're going to know it's God, but he done it through you. And you're going to say, at times you'll stand back and go, man, I don't know what just happened, but something did. It's amazing the way God will work. But the, you get that sense and that, that awareness of presence, and he's enabling you to receive what he has. It's not just to bless you, but it's to enable you to move forward. And when you feel that, that is him saying, okay, I'm here now and ready to pour forth of myself through you. To you, in you, through you. To you, in you, through you. Never just to bless you, although it's a blessing. But it's so that we can begin to change the world around us. And what you've got to understand is as you live this way, everywhere you go, things change. If I, if I enter into a conversation with a stranger, I'm aware that that stranger's spiritual atmosphere just changed. Why? Because I'm breathing forth what's in me. And at that moment, it might seem as if nothing happened. But no, something happened. Because somebody that's aware of the presence of God is aware of what God might do is there and that whole atmosphere begins to prepare a readiness about that person. Now, when you, when you begin to be, when we're talking about the baptism, the immersion in the Holy Spirit, and you begin to sense His presence, that's Him saying, I'm right here to do that. I'm right here to do that. You don't have to go off and wait for 30 days. You don't have to do this. I'm right here to do that. All you've got to do is reach and take it. And sometimes there's some of the most ridiculous sounding words you ever heard begin to form in your mind and you think, oh, that's just me. Really? Do you think like that all the time? I mean, do you go around thinking, I probably do, but I didn't before. The thing is, the thing is that you don't think like that. And you've asked the Holy, you've asked God to give you the Spirit. You've asked Father for His Spirit. Now, the Word says, if you do that, He won't give you a snake, will He? How much more will He give the Spirit to those that ask Him? So your immersion is right there. And the way you talk, the way you use your tongue to prepare your brain to receive is what has gotten you to where you are right now in life.
Wow. Hmm. And God wants to change that. He, he, he's not forcing it on you, but he said, you'll receive, that's an exhortation and a promise all in one. And in that presence is the ability to respond and to make a decision and to take for yourself the promise of the Father. I've, I'd be a completely another message to talk about so much about the tongue, but I want to touch on it as I'm closing. James chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. So also the tongue is a small part of the body. Yet it boasts of great things. Anybody know people like that? Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. Now let me pause there for a moment and just elaborate a little bit about iniquity. You know there's sin where you fall short of what God has designed for you. There's transgression where, where you're... Step over the line. You, you know that it's not right, and you step over the line. And then there's iniquity. Iniquity is where you not only knowingly step over the line, but you start making excuses for stepping over the line, and by that, you push it into another generation. Now think about how you might do that with your tongue. A world of iniquity is how the writer expresses it. That your tongue opens up avenues for you to push the, the sin into the next generation. And that's iniquity. The tongue is, is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. And sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. Well, I wish James had put this in terms we could understand. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our, for our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Now, to me, this passage of scripture is the why of speaking with a new tongue because no man can tame his own tongue and God is offering us this baptism in the Holy Spirit to do that because Father knows that this is the beginning for us to begin to not just have kingdom life but begin to live it and Jude calls it our most holy faith Jude verses 20 and 21 but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Building yourselves up. The same word that would be used in the Greek if you were to hook a battery charger to a battery and turn it on. That's the same word they would use to reflect that. You build yourself up. You charge yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. And to me, that's one of the most effective uses of the unknown tongue. That, that I, begin to, I begin to speak with a language that I don't understand. And it's my most holy faith. I'm releasing this most unruly member to God. Now you think about it for a moment and I'm praying asking God that when you leave this building this morning that he, puts, he pushes you to think about it in the coming week. How many times that if you had just given over your tongue to God it would have saved you a world of iniquity. It would have saved you a family split. It would have saved you a divorce. It would have saved you a good friend no longer liking you. If you just allowed the Holy Spirit to harness your tongue. 
Man, I've seen it so many times. I've done it so many times. And I've, I pray over and over again, God, put a watch on my tongue. Because, man, when I'm being quiet, when there's a discussion going on, it's not because I don't have anything to say. It's because I don't dare say what I'm thinking. Because I know if I do, I'm going to break something. Now, you've got to understand the influence you have. I said it from the, from the position of a pastor that in spite of me not always wanting them to, people take hold of what I say. One of the most difficult things for me is when I enter this pulpit and begin to preach, I know somebody is going to take hold of what I say and put it to work in their life. You say, oh, I don't do that. Well, good. But the thing is, somebody will. And I'm telling you that for you, you have the same power. It's not a use of the anointing, but it's abuse of the anointing because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And God puts that gift on you and then you decide how you use it. Some people literally tear their families apart using the anointing by by projecting words that have the power of God on them that God never instigated. It's your stinking mind that instigated those words. And it's far better to step back and say nothing. I hear people say, well, you're going to hear what I think. That is not something that uh, impresses me and causes me to think you're a great man or woman of God. Many times we're asked to not say what we think. Because we know that we have the power of God within us. And when I project, it's going to say something and it's going to impact somebody. It's going to tear something up or fix something. And sometimes we need to do both. Sometimes we need to hit that thing and tear it out. But then we always need to come back and fix it too. Yeah. God makes us where we can understand it. We, we push this stuff back and say, well, I'm not sure what that's all about. Yes, we are sure. And we need to let him put a watch on our tongue. And not only to build ourselves up, but I pray in the Holy Ghost so I can build you up. I pray in the Holy Ghost so, so when I meet Dickie at that back door, instead of asking him what he's doing, doing, doing nothing back there, which I would never do, but instead of asking him that, I'm reminding him, man, you're doing a good job. Do you mind taking a turn out across the parking lot every now and then and taking a look because we got a car broken into recently and just your presence can make a difference? That's working in the power of God. You see, folks, we just need to understand that we're somebody. Nobody needs, to, no, nobody needs to get proud about this. But I mentioned in a, in a completely thing I don't really want to talk about, but I mentioned to some other believers this week, saying that I reminded that thing who I am. And not that I'm a, something great, but I'm a son in the house of God. And that I'm joined heir with Jesus Christ. And when I say something, that thing better listen, because it don't want my bigger brother jumping on it and saying something. You know, you need to understand that we have inherited the presence that dwells in us. And there's something about that uh, word dunamis. You hear a lot of it, used to hear a lot of it in the charismatic world. But dunamis is, is what's used for the expression of the power. And there's something about that word that you shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That is power, but it's an inherent power. That when the Holy Spirit comes on you, He becomes a part of you. That it's, not, it's no longer just the Holy Spirit and then I'm over here separate, but He becomes intertwined with who we are. And as we begin to speak, we speak with His power. As we begin to live, we live with His power. And we're going to influence people around us. 
So, I want you to take this with you today and think over the next few days what it is to represent a different kind of people. Kind of people. The word kind, the Bible talks about us being created after his kind. It comes from an old English word, or old Scottish word, I believe it is, that, that would be K-E-N, kin, would, from which we get kin folks. <laughs> after his, we're created after his kin. After, we're kin folks with God. Think about that. And when you're brought back in, when you're born again and brought back in, now you inherit a whole new family tradition. And you need to let the Holy Spirit help you to understand what that is. And we're not trying to fight and drink our way to popularity, but we're trying to learn what it is to breathe in the breath of God and breathe out the breath of God and to live in that it goes on in Genesis 1 to say that we're created in the likeness of God. And I've looked into that extensively because I know that a lot of people wouldn't like me saying that, but really created in the likeness of God means that we're like God. We're not God, but we're like Him. You know, the more, the long, older I get, the more I reflect back, I realize, man, I'm a lot like my dad. I'm not him, but I'm like him. My younger brother, he's, he was a surprise package when I was on my way to the service. He was born he, 18, more than 18 years younger than me. And I was with him a little bit this week too. In case you hadn't noticed, we took five days off this week. <laughs> and it was wonderful. But I realized that I didn't get to spend a lot of his early years around him at all because I was out and gone. But over the past few years, he's been close enough that we've had a lot of interaction. And man, he's a lot like me. And I'm a lot like my dad. He's not me, and he's not my dad, but he's like us. Folks, if you live in the presence of the Holy Spirit, realizing that it, the life is in the spirit. In the natural sense, life is in the blood. But in the spiritual sense, life is in the spirit. And it's the spirit of Almighty God that flows through you, flows to you, dwells in you, works out from you. And man, if you learn that, you'll be a lot like him. You'll be a lot like him. A godlike person. That's why I say it's a whole different person walking the earth now. Many of us just haven't discovered it yet. I'm going to close with prayer and, and release you. But I'm going to pray that God will put a hunger. Those of you that haven't been baptized in the Spirit, I'm going to pray that God puts a hunger in you. Because I can tell you that before I understood it, it happened. I tried to, I tried, which is my natural deal, I tried to understand it. I tried to study it out. And... Finally, I just come to the place where I say, God, I can see that it's real, but I don't understand it. Would you baptize me in your spirit? And before I could get the words out of my mouth, I was speaking in an unknown tongue as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Alone in my bedroom, stretched out across the bed, wasn't even kneeling down. And God baptized me, and it changed everything for me. 
it changed everything for me. I don't tell, I won't tell you any big glowing story of, of where the Spirit of God came on me and I shouted and praised. No, I, I got it for me. It was me that got baptized there. And my wife didn't even know it for three or four months after that. Leslie's mom. She didn't even know it for three or four months after that. Why? Because I wasn't so sure it was real. I wanted, I wanted to make sure it, the, it was something that I wanted and found out that he was something I wanted. It was the presence of God living in me, changing me. And it's been a marked change from that time on. Of more and more understanding what it is to be a man who walked, not just with God, but walked in God. And as Michael was saying this morning, that he dwells in the house. Know you not that you're the temple? You are the temple. You are the temple. You have it. Now, ask yourself, that being the case, how have I represented him? People that know me and don't yet know him, what do they think of him because of me? Do they think he's an angry, loud, overbearing person because of me? Do they think he's a gossipy, judgmental person because of me? Or are they aware that he's seeking the lost and building people because of me? You know, God is love. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you. I, wouldn't, I don't know what I would do without the understanding of your empowerment and understanding that Holy Spirit has come as your representative and he fills the world around me and he fills me and he immerses me and all of this stuff. But God, I'm asking you to build a hunger in the hearts and lives of those who have not yet been in that situation and bring the power of your presence and cause them to hunger and thirst and to know that you will fill them. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.